if you don't have a system for looking at your money. I mean, those are all really, you know, signs and symptoms of being in a money fog. But I would add when you don't feel in control of your money, you're probably in a money fog. If you don't feel like money is this sacred tool to live your best life, you're probably in a money fog. If you don't know how much is enough to live the life that you want or how much you need simply to live comfortably month to month, you're probably in a money fog. Hey, midlifers. Welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show. Wendy Valentine here. Today's going to be a great topic uh, because we're going to be talking about money, honey. And it's kind of funny because the previous interview I just had, we were talking about saving the vibrant vagina. <laughs> we're going to go, I have to switch gears from a happy, healthy vagina to a happy, healthy <laughs> bank account. <laughs> I can do this. I can do this. From vaginas to money. Here we go. It's a pivot. It's a pivot. We can do this. Today's awesome guest is Michael Ann Valterra. She is an author, speaker, and master money coach who helps women around the world rise above the money fog. Yes. Can't wait to learn more about that. And to transform their relationship with money and design their ideal life. For 25 years, Michael Ann Valterra has been a thought leader in financial psychology. She has written, spoken, and been interviewed extensively on powerful, practical ways to reduce money anxiety and teaches effective methods for earning, saving, reducing debt, and managing money. Her new book, Rise Above the Money Fog, is now available online. Michael Ann, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello from Seattle. I am so happy to be here. Yes. And so happy to have you here. Um, and I was telling you before we hit record, I was like, man, I could really uh, relieve myself of my own money fog. So I'm excited to learn more about that uh, because we all have like, I mean, it's kind of sad though, that we all, I would think have issues with money in some form or fashion. Right? It's so common. I mean, part, yeah. part of the problem is everybody thinks they're the only ones, but I know so much secrecy about this and shame and oh my gosh, but it's yeah. so common how many of us are frustrated. Yeah. And you know what too, I would think, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself, as we go through different transitions in life, uh, especially after coming out of divorce or something like that, or an empty nest or taking care of aging parents. Some of those old, 
or maybe like limiting beliefs that have not completely gone away tend to resurface when we go through transitions in life. It's so, yeah. so true. Well, you know, I, yeah. I call them kind of key questions in money that, you know, the core questions of what can I afford or how much is enough or, you know, big, yeah. big, big questions. The answers to those questions change when we go through transitions, right? Yes. When we're on the other side of divorce or empty nesting or, I mean, so many transitions, the answers to big money questions have changed. And we often don't stop and go, you know, things are different. Mm -hmm. I may have kind of got to the point where I felt like I had it figured out. Yep. And not everyone will feel like they ever had it figured out, but you know, sometimes we get there and then it all changes again because yes. of some big, huge shift. And we feel like, oh my gosh, I am back to feeling foggy and frustrated. Yes. So let's talk about, let's talk about brain fog. Now brain fog. Wait, that's, that goes with menopause. <laughs> well, it's like all connected money fog. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Still I get the, brain the vagina fog. interview. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're, we're all in menopause land over here. So I can, uh, but I will rise out of my brain fog for a few moments um, and talk about money fog. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying, what is it? What is yes. the definition? Mm -hmm. So bottom line is it's when we feel stress and anxiety around mm -hmm. money. And if, if you go into it a, a little bit more, I use the term money fog, F-O-G, because mm -hmm. fog stands for when we feel in fear around money, overwhelm around money, or we feel guilty about yeah. money, right? Uh. And, and it's, so these are, are big, and you'll notice they all are very feeling-based. Mm -hmm. We don't feel good about money when we feel, yeah. you know, most commonly you hear people talk about stress. And mm -hmm. I feel anxious around money. Yep. But, you know, if, if you drill in, the money fog comes simply when we're not clear about mm -hmm. our money and then how we feel as a result of not feeling clear. So as yep. just a couple yep. of examples, if you don't know um, where you spend your money or how much you spend mm -hmm. your uh, money, um, if you don't have a system for looking yep. at your money, I mean, those are all really, you know, signs and symptoms of being in a money fog. But I would add, when you don't feel in control of your money, you're yep, probably yep. in a money fog. Yes, if you don't yes. feel like money is this sacred tool to live your best life, mm -hmm. you're probably in a money fog. If you don't know how much is enough to live the life that you want or how much mm -hmm. you need simply to live comfortably month to month, you're probably in a money fog. So it it's definitely, you can you can feel, Wendy, there's a practical mm -hmm. side of like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much money I spend and how much I need. Yep. And then there's emotional side, which is I feel icky and frustrated and stressed as a result of feeling so fuzzy mm -hmm. about money. Yep. I would think even too, for a lot of people, just the topic of money is very triggering, very emotionally triggering. Like you'll either yeah. be like, okay, cool, let's talk about money. And some mm -hmm. people's like, oh God, let's don't even bring it up. It's, it's, I think it's probably more yeah. triggering than talking about your vagina as you yeah. were just talking about. <laughs> I'd rather talk about vaginas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, so, the list so of where... topics we're not supposed to talk about. Yeah. Money is <laughs> on that list for sure. It brings up feelings for people. <laughs> <laughs> so where does the money fog start? Is that something that like goes back to childhood? Ah, uh, dun, 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 dun. Where dun, 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 dun. Yeah. 
So um, yeah, you nailed it. The money fog originates yeah. in childhood. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the big question was, well, lots of questions, but, you know, why is one question, why does the money fog come from childhood and how does it happen? Mm-hmm. So part of it is we need money to survive. And, you know, childhood is so, it's just so far back, right? And so anything that goes back to our childhood um, tends to be shrouded a little bit in mystery. We know as little girls, like, okay, we see mom and dad buying food with this thing called money. Like we pick up very early that this thing called money is important for getting our toys, buying food. You know, we start hearing some adult conversations about money. Little kids, obviously, we're not looking at this in a sophisticated way. It's very simple. This super, super important thing Mm -hmm. is needed to survive and give me all the things that I need and want, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's give you a bunch of messages that say, don't talk about it. Yeah, It's it's like one of the most important things of all. Mm -hmm. We're going to model for you repeatedly over and over and over that this thing that we're not talking about is super, super important, but don't talk about it. Yeah, And now we'll get a little bit more sophisticated and say, you know what? You shouldn't talk about it. Don't talk Mm -hmm. about money. Right. Yeah. And then you know, you and I can talk about different family systems where it gets a little bit more interesting. But, you know, at, at the core, money fog for most of us does originate in childhood because one of the most common messages on the planet is don't talk about money. And so yes. how yeah. do you grow even up though it's everywhere it's everywhere though, right? Isn't that funny? It's like saying don't That's talk about insanity. oxygen. Don't you it, dare talk about weird. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't talk about the air we breathe, you know, and we wonder as adults why we feel weird dealing with this really important subject when some really, really basic modeling uh, is either messed up or missing. Mm -hmm. And we tend to blame ourselves, unfortunately, and particularly women. We really blame ourselves if we feel like we're not good at something, but this goes way, way back. What were some of your limiting beliefs or beliefs around money growing up, if you don't mind sharing? Well, so that, you know, I talk about in, in the book, these three different family systems, and I'll just you talk about the one that I came from. I call it the, the, the periodically tense family, which in a lot of ways is kind of like the average family where you, there's not really fabulous communication, but we're all, you know, good people loving each other, living our lives. The periodically tense family tends to have periodic stress events happen. Mm. Again, this is super common. So I grew up in a family where indeed my parents divorced, right? Mm. We moved a lot because my dad was um, in the army. Loving parents, but we had these stressful events happen. And so, Mm. you know, the the message was don't talk about money. I never saw it. It was Mm. always handled behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I grew up with beliefs that, you know, A, you shouldn't talk about money. So, of course, I went into a money fog because as opposed to what, I wouldn't have known how to not be in a fog. Right. But but there were all these other beliefs that that said, okay, uh, working hard is a virtue. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, if I don't work really hard, I'm what? I'm apparently lazy. So, I'll just yeah. work to to work. And then I grew up with a, a lot of mixed messages around wealthy people are somehow bad or greedy. You know, my mm-hmm. parents didn't have a lot of money. You know, we had, uh, you know, government cheese and food stamps when I was a little girl. And mm. we had, I remember very clearly, we at the beginning of the month, I just 
I didn't understand how it happened, but magically at the beginning of the month, you opened up the refrigerator and there was this huge hunk of government cheese. And mm. some of your listeners will remember this <laughs> government I cheese. I remember that, yes. A big chunk of cheese. Yeah. And I guess it was issued in some, you know, some fashion. Um, and then the the it would get smaller as the month went on. You know, we'd have grilled cheese sandwiches, we'd have this, we'd have, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. a lot you of get things. Creative with, with it, yeah. Yeah. And you could uh, kind of tell what time of the month it was by how small the cheese chunk was getting and then it would magically uh somehow re-exist or pop back into existence at the beginning of the next month you'd open up the fridge and (laughs) there's back to its full size you know (laughs) so so but i i i grew up with a lot of messages of you know the thems and the Mm -hmm. the theys right Mm like you know you it wasn't even the the thing with a lot of messages in, in my family and many is it's not even overt Mm-hmm. It's very subtle. It's like, oh, well, that's that's the Andersons. And you know, they have they have money. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that, but that's all yep. my mom would say. Yes. Right. Yep. Like, oh, okay. So they're they're different than us. Yeah. And that difference has something to do with the fact that they have money and we don't. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a kind of a dripping a lot of stuff in the comment. And yeah. then we moved on because you know what? You don't talk about money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, yep. Right. Yeah. So, my parents would have been like, oh, must be nice. You know, like, if, yeah. yeah. And it was kind of like almost making fun of people that had money. And I'm like thinking like, well, why? I mean, they worked for it. I mean, most of them do. <laughs> you know, like, and who well, cares? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's uh, the thing. I mean, we're adult women now and we know that a lot of this stuff is totally bogus and doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we work hard and have money and all that good stuff. But if you're the part of the problem is if, you know, with that particular belief, if you're raised with a belief that says wealthy people are, you know, greedy, insensitive, superior to other people, a yep. lot of times what happens is we grew up and go, okay, I will never become that which yep. is despised. I will never become that which is disliked. It's not a conscious message. It's just one of the many, many money messages that people may have taken from childhood. Um, But if that's one of the particular messages, you know, that your listeners have, it can be really hard to have and keep money and wealth as an adult because it goes back to those very, very unconscious, subconscious messages. I found when, when I went through my divorce, my second divorce, um, and I was what, 45. And I can remember like feeling like, like all of those old beliefs surfaced for me. And also I didn't realize this until later on that I unconsciously adopted even my ex-husband's beliefs around money, the roller coaster, the up and down. Yes, we have something. No, we don't. Like happy, sad, angry, you know, joy. Like it was always just like this uh, emotional roller coaster around money. And so I remember like, I was like, I I don't want to be a part of that. I want to break that cycle because it's just, it's exhausting. So you bring up yeah. a really interesting subject. It, it, I, it, you're going into what's called money personalities, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of different money personalities out there. I talk about four in my work, but the two biggest personalities are what I call the, the liberty personality that's very oriented around freedom. The point mm-hmm. of money is freedom. Do what you want, when you want, have what you want. Freedom, yeah. freedom, freedom. Versus what I call the safe harbor personality. 
And that is the point of money is security. Don't Mm -hmm. take risks, be careful, be safe. And that the point of money is to take care of yourself and be safe. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with either of these motivations around money. Mm -hmm. Taken to the extreme, we get into dilemmas, right? You know, extreme liberty personalities sometimes can have debt, right? Right. Extreme safe harbor personalities are to the point where they're not spending enough money. Yeah. But but where it gets interesting, Wendy, is is two things. Number one, half of marriages are made up of those two types marrying each other. Yeah. Right. Opposites attract. Yeah. And then we get and it doesn't have anything to do with money initially. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, she's so, uh, you know, vivacious and exciting. You know, he's so grounded. He's so steady and, yeah. you know, or or whatever it is that they're not really correlated to gender. But so you get married and, you know, we all, we all compromise. We all, like you said, take on each other's characteristics. Mm-hmm. One person acts as a natural break against the other person and you make it work. Yeah. You make it work. But what's interesting is, I mean, that's a whole other conversation or like couples <laughs> and money, right? But what's interesting, what you were bringing up is when we divorce, mm-hmm. our natural money personality comes back stronger than ever. It comes back full yeah, force because yeah. the natural buffer or break is gone. Mm-hmm. So whatever you naturally are in your heart of hearts, now that you're single again, woohoo. And it can go either way. Like if you're just like, oh, like some women divorce and if they're that security type, oh my gosh, like they are drilling into the earth with like, you know, savings and battening the hatches and they are just yep. safe, 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 safe because there's no one finally pulling on them. Right. Or the freedom, t- they're like, woo, they're yeah. <laughs> time. No one can tell me what to do with my money. So, yeah, I mean, all this stuff really is like, this is the juice, the psychology and the emotions of money that when we get into it, it helps to understand kind of what's, what's motivating you. Yeah, it is. So it's, it's very deep, actually. It I mean, really I, I think for me, I, I wanted to get to that point where I was in control of my money and that money wasn't in control of me. Yeah. And I felt like for so many decades between, you know, whether my family or being a single mom and being in a relationship where it was the roller coaster, you know, with money, I was like, oh my God, I was exhausted. And it's kind of sad because I was thinking too, you know, here on the show, like we talk a lot about like, you know, designing your second half of life. What do you want to do? And dreams and desires and taking vacations and, you know, whatever. Right. But then sometimes even if someone is lacking the courage to take that leap and go after this new life, right. That they design, sometimes it's the money piece that stops them. Well, and this is, I can't even say enough about that. I mean, that's literally why I, exist as, you know, professionally, (laughs) hopefully exist for more than my work, but, but, (laughs) but I agree. I mean, the whole Mm. point of getting clear about money is so that you can design your life so that you can create the life that you want. And I, I, I think I've thought so much about this, Wendy, why is this topic not out there more? And why don't people get excited about using money to design their next chapter? Yes. I'll tell you one of my one of my big theories is why people don't get excited. It's because a lot of the money conversations out there are either about the future, you know, retirement, retirement, investment, yes. retirement. And by the way, I don't live in the future. 
Yeah. Or all the conversations are about the past debt, debt, payoff, debt, payoff, debt. Yep. But, but we don't live in the future or the past. Yep. And what doesn't get talked about is the present using money right now to live and design your best life. Yeah. That's where I think this gets exciting to like mm-hmm. create this nourishing spending plan to design the life of your dreams. Yeah. what I do yeah. all day long with my clients. Of course, we're honoring the past and the future. Of course, we are. We're responsible people. We want to feel good about, you know, being responsible. Yeah. But, but the juice is living our best life right now and, and moving into creating it. Yep. And I don't mean to talk about myself again, but I will use myself as an example here. Because right. after my divorce, I was, first of all, I was unemployed. I'd been, you know, in business with my ex for decades. And so here I was unemployed. I had at least, oh God, $150,000 to $200,000 in debt. Um, and so I was like, okay, how, how in the world am I going to get to the other side of this and actually live a life that I love, which is what I'm doing now. And I had to make a plan. And part of that, I would have to say the number one thing I did was to squash all the bullshit beliefs that I had surrounding money and myself. Yeah. And that I was like, yeah. And, and, and I mean, again, talking about, it's almost like grief coming up to the surface. Right. And it was the beliefs of my parents, of, of the poor, you know, single mom out there with the two kids and struggling to make it happen. And then here I am again, I was like, oh my gosh, like, and I really, it was just, but once I, once I put one foot in front of the other, it became so empowering. The more I chipped away at that, knowing that on the other side of it would be my dream life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about cleaning up your money mindset and it it is a big deal. And I I also think there's a piece in there around, um, you know, many people deal with under earning and underselling themselves and this, this, you know, pattern we have of underselling ourselves and not charging as much as we could not negotiating for ourselves. And that absolutely comes from childhood of this feeling of, well, I don't deserve, right. Or I can't be like them, or I'm not good enough, or I have to be perfect to be able to charge that much, you know, or, or what, yeah. whatever it is, because there's so much out there you and I know about, you know, how to be in business and all this stuff, you know, kind of the how to's we can go get the how to book, but mm-hmm. the, it's the beliefs that, that yeah. trip us up, you know, and when you really go into, I do deserve to make yeah. good money and this service and skill is worthy and I can help people. And by the way, I don't have to be perfect. Right. Exactly. That's, that's, that's huge, you know, and I, I I think one of the core questions for people is how much is enough and, Mm -hmm. and getting clear about the life that you want to lead and how much does that life cost? And we can figure that out. It's a knowable, figure outable thing and people don't realize it is. Yeah. And I think, yeah, you're so right. It is figuring out what type of life that you want to live, your lifestyle and how, you know, that you're from your home to your clothing, to your furniture, what do you want? Because then you obviously have to have 
the funds to be able to support that, right? Or do you just want to travel or whatever it is? So that's why it's like, it's such a perfect time in life at midlife to figure out, okay, what do I want? And how am I going to make this happen? But yeah, definitely. I think it starts right here, starts in, in your mind. And then well, your you heart know, too. It, uh, you're so right. You're so right. And you know, because we have the same audience of of women in in midlife. And you know, mm. when you look at uh, Jungian psychology or analytical psychology, or you know, depth psychology is sort of my world. Yeah. It, so much in in midlife, we are shifting. And whether we're talking about you know owning our shadow, whether we're talking about mm. moving into a side that we used to see as a weakness that's now a strength. You know, a lot of people move from money used to be all about um, security. And in the second half of life, they move into wanting it to be more about freedom or, or the opposite. If you were the person that was always very freedom minded, people shift into the second half of life and they want to move more into the security. You know, there's this, there's this natural balancing Mm -hmm. out that happens in money psychologically that, um, we just don't hear talked a lot about, and it just helps mm-hmm. to name like, oh, you're right. I am shifting. I am yes. moving forward. And, you know, women in our demographic are so freaking powerful. And so, so taking that power and combining it with like a skill set around money, mm-hmm. you can break free of your childhood money beliefs. Let me ask you something. If you're in a relationship where let's say you want to clear your money fog as only we can't clear somebody else's money fog. (laughs) How do you handle that when there's two that are like, okay, maybe your, your partner's got a ton of money fog. Yours is clearing. But if you're in this, the money, you know, it's almost like their fog becomes your fog. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you work on that together? Is it, is it possible to even question? Yeah, that's a very fun question. It, it gets a little bit also into um, money metaphysics. Uh, it is similar to clutter clearing. Yeah. It's the same question you probably heard uh, people talk about in terms of, um, you know, cluttering and organizing and, you know, Marie Kant. I can never say her name right Oh, now. I know. Yeah. Why am I saying it wrong again? But you know, know. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. um, keep that which, you know, lights your fire and let go of yeah. everything else. So what... What happens there is the more you clean up your stuff yep, and don't put it out on other people to clean up their stuff, it becomes almost contagious. The more you push mm. on someone to clean up their crapola, um, yep. the more they tend to resist and 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 mm. push back on you. But when you're in a way modeling, you're so happy and clean and clear. Uh, yeah. It naturally starts mm. to impact and, and almost infect the people around you. And it is the same with money that when you start cleaning up your money stuff and you start rising up out of the money fog, because one of the things that happens as you come out of the money fog is vision. You start because when you're in a fog, it's very similar to driving a car in a Mm -hmm. deep fog. You drive really slow. You can't see that far ahead. You're not really visioning your life. You're just trying to survive and not hit something. Right, uh, And so you and, and your partner are probably in it together. But once you are out of the fog, you're getting clear, you're getting more vision, you're getting mm-hmm. like all this stuff is happening. And it, I've seen it go both ways because it also depends on 
is this about money or is this about the relationship? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, money is a um a big thing in relationships. And I've had clients where they realize, wait a minute, why why am I married? No, I'm not right. I, want to, <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to think clean up your money and you're gonna get divorced. I don't mean it like that, <laughs> right? But <laughs> but yeah. is this really about the relationship? Is this really about uh is this really about money? You know, and also yeah. how how much separate finances do you have, right? You there's right. a lot you can do to mm-hmm. get clean. And clear. But if you're seriously married to, it's different someone who says, okay, you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's a very different scenario than, than being married to an obstructionist. Yes. Or being yeah. married to a financial <laughs> controller. Mm-hmm. And those are very serious that's issues tough. that go far beyond money. But looking at money will start to highlight some deeper relationship issues. And that's one of the reasons why people get nervous about going there. Because mm-hmm. that can shift the whole relationship. It can. And now it's not really about money, is it? Right? But, yeah. 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 It's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. It is. There was something I saw on your website. I wanted to... Um, yeah, you'd said... I've always known that money is not the purpose of my life, but money is a wondrous tool that can allow us to live our dreams and continue creating lives filled with all manner of riches. And the main thing that really stuck out with me with that was the word tool. Like it's a tool. It's a means. It's yeah. And I'd say it's a sacred tool, but it's, it's, it's a tool, you know, and if we learn how to use the sacred tool, we can craft the life that we desire. I mean, the number one thing I hear when people call me, Wendy, is they're, they're tired of not feeling in control. That's the number one thing I hear. They may say it in different ways, but I'm telling you 80% of the time they actually use that word. Yeah. Um, So, you know, as we step into control around money, which is partly about learning how to use it as this tool Mm -hmm. to create the life that we want, our vision clears. Cause you know, if you go back to the metaphor of the money fog, when people are in a fog, like in the real world in a fog, we often don't realize how deep the fog is until we're out of it. And then we look back and go, oh my God, I didn't realize how my vision was so obscure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm out. It's like, wow, I can't believe how did I function yeah. in that level of unknowingness. Yeah. Now that I'm clear, people are like, I'm never going back. And, you know, I think I mentioned this word earlier about being triggered, but then after you've cleared the fog and you have that clarity, when you hear something that you, like the old you would have been triggered by it, when they say it, it's like, oh, like this actually happened to me yesterday with my parents. And I was like, oh, that's it. Did not trigger me. I was like, like right it triggers things uh, people Mm -hmm. often think that money beliefs just instantly disappear a a better metaphor is they dissolve they they less and less and less of a charge over time and Mm -hmm. and part of why money coaching is so effective is because a process like this honors the emotional at the same time it honors the practical and if if you ignore the emotional you go we're just get clear about money um then you know eventually it's like dieting you can do it for a while yeah right uh, and then you go eat the 10 pound cheesecake you know or, yeah. or whatever it is and it's like i tell some of my clients just like when people join um a traditional program like weight watchers or jenny craig or you know one of those programs often what happens is people join a food program 
Mm-hmm. Their spending goes out of control. Interesting. And and part of it is people are afraid they're going to be deprived. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying this is conscious. And mm-hmm. so they turn to money to make themselves feel better. And so mm-hmm. if you start working on money without looking at the emotional side, honoring the emotional side, talking about it, processing it, let's talk about your money story. Yeah. Hmm. And you will work on money for a while, but you will gain 10 pounds. Yep. And it will, you'll probably revert back to how you used to be with money in six months. So you've got to look at the emotional alongside the practical from the beginning so that you really can handle what comes up because Mm -hmm. there are many little triggers, Mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of uh, the realm of financial therapy when I'm with clients going, okay, the intention was just as an example. Um, you know, I'm going to buy a, a new couch for living room and you plan, you know, a 2000 couch, but somehow you ended up spending a $7,000 couch. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot to analyze in there in terms of understanding why we often do something different than was our initial intention. Right. Right. That's where it gets juicy. Yes. Yeah. It's so, it's so emotional. And I think, um, I don't know. I keep talking about myself here, but you know, not <laughs> using myself as an example. But for me, I realized I was like, you know, I actually don't. I'm I'm actually happier with less, less stuff, less stuff to to manage and and house and all that stuff. And whereas before, I think I just adopted into that trying to keep up with the Joneses and the cars and the houses and the Ethan Allen furniture, and I was like. It never felt right to me. It was never really me, but it was just kind of like, this is what you're supposed to do. And then after clearing that money fog, I was like, I actually don't like all that. You know, like I never really thought, I think you had mentioned earlier, like stopping and asking ourselves like, wait, what, what do I want? What do I, who am I? Like what, you know, and it's when you really dig deep, you discover like, whoa, I actually don't want this fancy car. You don't think it's too much for me. Like I don't want the stress of it. And so it's it's pretty fascinating the the domino effect that occurs once you yeah, once you like uncover some of those emotions behind money, then it's like, oh, oh, this, well, there I am. You're also talking about money and values. You know, you yes. want to yeah. money according to your values. And, yep. we, you know, we tend to spend money on, on one of three areas, either stuff, you know, material items, mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. like travel or yeah. services like the house mm-hmm. cleaner. Right. Yep. So there, and, and one is not necessarily better than, than the other, but we all have one that we gravitate towards or one that this year we want to focus more on. And so some people will be like, oh, well, I'm not into material stuff, but yeah. they love having money and spending money. They just choose to spend it on experiences, you know, travel yeah. or yeah. or services mm-hmm. or whatnot. And so it is partly like, what, what do I want? What lights my fire? As yeah. opposed to, like you said, the Joneses or yeah. the fire of the person I happen to be living with. Right. And one of the things I ask my clients every year when they think about the new year is what do you want more of in your life this year? And what do you want less of in mm. your life this year? Mm-hmm. And that's a big open-ended question. You can yep. answer that a lot of ways. You know, a lot of people say, I want more time this yeah. year. Yeah. So we want to create that or travel or this or, or 
you know, the other question I ask clients is when we put together like an annual plan, what are you tired of putting up with? Mm, That's a really interesting question that brings up, oh my gosh, I am so tired of putting up with my car. I hate my car. Okay, well, let's deal with it. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's a good question. It is because it kind of, you know, people were so in our um, milieu of, you know, personal growth stuff, we're all very, very positive, 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 you know, and all sorts of wonderful self-talk. But when you say, what are you tired of putting up with? Let's talk about what's irritating you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, That gets at a different set of uh, things, you know? I would think too that, you know, at midlife, your kids are out of the, you know, birdies have left the nest. And, you know, for most of your life, you've been, you know, making money to take care of the kids and put them through college or whatever else. It's for everyone else most of the time. I mean, at least it was for me. And then you get to this point, you're like, well, wait a minute. It's just me or it's just me and my partner. Then it, you almost have like, it, you almost feel kind of selfish at first. Like, oh my God, I'm spending money for me. Like I'm not, I'm not making this money for everybody else now. It's actually for me. So it's an interesting shift of perspective there. It it is. And it's a shift that has to happen. And, and, you know, women, I mean, this is, this is one of the big, big gifts of midlife. It's one of the big transitions of, of midlife where you start taking some of that energy in for you and you start looking at your self-care. What, what makes you happy? Because if you stay outward focused on other people in the second half of life, that does not lead to happiness. And yes, and it makes mm-hmm. sense in our first half, you know, we're, we're running businesses and families and children, and we don't necessarily even think about it as right. you and I are talking about. It's all about other people. Yeah. But, you know, you hit the empty nest stage and you have to find what is your passion and mission, yeah. what is your self-care. And, you know, like I know for me, when I empty nested or I could see the light, <laughs> <laughs> that tunnel. <laughs> uh, you know, that's when I started. That's when I took up um, Argentine tango, and I started. I started dancing, and I, you know, I didn't have the time, the money, or the bandwidth to invest yeah. that much energy into such a, a, a complicated art form. But boy, oh boy, did I have that time! You know, in in the second half of life, and yeah. So it's like everyone has to find their tango. They have to find whatever that is for them. Find find your tango. I love it. <laughs> That's what I call my t- I'm gonna see you doing tango on TikTok. I know it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was working last night in the dance studio. We're working on a a lift. You know, I'm getting married in in January, and I actually met my husband to be. Just on a side note, uh, in tango. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm marrying my <laughs> dance partners. <laughs> so oh we're, we're spending our evenings perfecting the lift for the wedding dance. <laughs> I love it. It's so awesome. It's so fun. Oh my gosh. Oh, so your book is out now. And where where can we find your book? The book. 
Uh, you can go to riseabovethemoneyfog.com. Riseabovethemoneyfog.com. Um, Rise you, you can see me, um, you know, talking about the book. Here's your four minute video about the book. And uh, you can obviously get the book in a couple of different formats, you know, hard copy, Kindle, the whole nine yards. Mm. Um, and yes, you can buy it on Amazon. It's a little less expensive to buy it through riseabovethemoneyfog.com. Okay. Uh, but if people are more comfy on Amazon, they can they can buy the book wherever they want. And you're also known as what the Seattle Money Coach. So, but do you help people even beyond Seattle though? Do you coach? Yeah, people? thank you for asking that. So, yeah, so let's talk money coaching. So, money okay. coaching. I work with women in midlife. That's that's my demographic. Is my favorite clients um, all across the United States. I live in Seattle, but my clients are are. I have, I don't even know how many plants I have in California, but East coast, you name it. Um, and they come because they want to rise above the money fog and they are tired of not feeling in control. Uh, it used to be that people could see a financial planner for investments or a credit counselor for debt. I think, obviously I do think all of that's important. Um, but neither mm -hmm. of those fields is well trained in the emotional side of money. So yeah. money coaching looks at both. Yes. We want to learn how to quote manage our money. Right. But we got to look at the emotional side too. So where yep. I get excited is helping people create what I call a nourishing spending plan mm. to what is the process of learning how to navigate money? Cause I, mm. I teach, I don't teach anything I don't personally use. Right. So I've, I've used this own process to navigate my finances for, you know, 20, 25 years to create a wonderful life and navigate my own divorce. Right. Yeah. So the skill set means that, you know, with the divorce, stay or don't stay, but it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't want to make big decisions in your life just because of quote the money. And so yes. for me, having the skill set of how to manage my personal money and that, you know, monthly and annual planning means that I'm never stressed about money. Yeah. So I can focus on other things. Yeah. I mean, sadly, like, I mean, people have heart attacks and die all the time because of money. Right. Which yeah. is awful. It is awful. And I, you know, I mean, yeah. my, this is my mission, you know, my mission is to help people be out of the fog so they can lead their best yeah. lives. I don't want money to be an impediment to living your life. Mm -hmm. I want yep. you to be able to find your mission and, and go and do that and never have money be what holds you back. Yeah. I actually know someone right now that is not doing treatment because of money. Mm. That's so that's like a life and death decision. Yes. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. So we, I mean, it and we want to look at all of it. We want to earn what we're worth. We want to be thoughtful yeah. and conscious about our spending. We want to feel like we can see and vision the future. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. you want to look at what I call both sides of the coin, both what we're yeah. earning and what we're spending and feel good. Yeah, exactly. It, it's different for all of us, but we all want to feel good about our money. Yeah. We need, we need more Michael Ann's in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Angelo's. Yeah, that's as I said. Think of my name, Michelangelo, without the Jello. It's such an yeah, Michelangelo, exactly. such an unusual name. Thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah, thanks, mom. It's so cool, though. I mean, it's very unique. It's you know, it's so weird. I I know one of your listeners will say they know a Michael, and I've never met 
a Michael mm-hmm. Ann face-to-face ever. And I'm in my 50s. Yeah. And and with how it's spelled, too. So, yeah. I remember, like, seeing it come across on my email for the guest request. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, I was just intrigued just from the name. I was like, we got to have her on the show. I don't even care what she's going to talk about. I'll tell like, my publicist, forget forget all the other stuff. Just talk about how Michael Ann is spelled with a K. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So where can we find you? So seattlemoneycoach.com. And what, what I did for everyone is if you go to Seattle Money Coach, I put up a free, uh, basically a quiz. How do you know you're in a money fog? And so it's like a, a really lovely, sweet diagnostic little mini uh, workbook ebook. It's like six pages. You download it for free and then you can be like, boom, I'm going to take my little quiz and see what level of fog. Because it may not be true for everyone. It's true for many, yeah. many people to different mm-hmm. levels. But that's free on Seattle Money Coach. And the other thing is some people, they may just want to hop on a call with me, Wendy. If yeah. so, they can book a free discovery call and it's, it's all in the same place. Mm-hmm. Seattle money coach. Love it. You're great. Yeah, I, I love talking to people and figuring out, you know, what's one thing we can do to help you take control of money. Yeah. Instead of it controlling you, right? Yeah. Bingo. Exactly. Bingo. This is great. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be on your show. I just love your show. It's so, so <laughs> fun to be on it. From vaginas to bank accounts. I was just thinking, yeah, exactly. We got to circle back to where we started. Money in your vagina. Actually, maybe I'll put that out to my publicist. And that, I don't know what would happen. (laughs) I'll let you know. That would be a great book title. I'm telling you. I know. I'd be like, this is Wendy's I'd pick it up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.